When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Tuesday, 11-21-2023. It's War Week, ladies and gentlemen. It is straight war this week across the landscape of college football. We are here for the Level Up podcast. Wherever you're at in the country, it's I Declare War. Families are going to be split up. There's going to be some hating going on. Folks ain't going to talk to each other for another 365 days. And Andy, we have made it to War Week on the first inaugural season of the Level Up Podcast on Fans First Sports Network. Man, I am so excited. I just don't know what to do. I'm actually scared. I pushed all my family away from me. I've been in the tunnel. I've been in the room. I've been watching all 22 because it is straight up freaking war week, man. Man, before look, before we get to any of this stuff, man, I got to say what's up to my boy. What's up, Andy P, man? What's cracking lacking? I survived Atlanta. I survived the last game of the Dino Babers era at Syracuse. It's not going to make it to the rundown this week, but when we do that first show after the playoff rankings, when we break down the playoff matchups and we're talking about all the coaches, talking about Black Friday, we'll we'll talk about Syracuse then because I'm 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 ready. I'm ready for a change, but this season has got to play out because there's still so much left to happen and we we had some major shakeup in in the playoff rankings that that just yeah. came out. Andy Listen, man, I've never shown this sign before on any podcast that I do. You're the first guy to get it. It's adios, muchachos, for Dino Babers, man. (laughs) I'll see you you next week. I'll see you next year. It's adios, muchachos, my friend. It's time to find a new coach over there in Syracuse, New York, for sure, for sure. And that's why it's war week, because guess what? Coaches everywhere have been fired. (laughs) There's been some scandalous stuff jump off. Still continue with the University of Michigan. I mean, it's just straight up. Let's get the tension going. And it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be, there's going to be some coaches fired after this week. You, you best believe some coaches are going to be on the hot seat and some coaches are going to get fired if they lose their rivalry. But Andy, before we get to any of that, man, listen, man, the top 25 breakdown, the top 25 playoff rankings just came out like two minutes ago. Man, give me your breakdown of what's going on with the top 25 playoff rankings. Because there's been some shaking them up for sure, for sure. Yeah, for those of you who are joining us live here and uh, maybe don't have ESPN on in the background, rankings came out. Number one, Georgia, no change there. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Michigan. Number four, Washington, jumping Mm. number five, Florida State. Those are your five undefeated teams. And then you got the one-loss Oregon at six, one-loss Texas at seven, one-loss Bama at eight, two-loss Missouri at nine, one loss, Louisville at 10, and then you got mm. Penn State at 11, Ole Miss at 12, Oklahoma at 13 before you start getting into your three-loss teams. Arizona, biggest riser of the week going all the way up to 15. Mm. Uh, you've got NC State joining the party at 8-3 at 22. 
Uh, you've got Tulane joining the party at 10 and one at 23 and in mm. a kind of shocker rounding out the top 25, just to make things interesting, Clemson joins the rankings for the first time at, at number 24 and at number 25, the undefeated Liberty flames make their playoff ranking debut. Um, interesting, interesting sights there. Uh, Tulane gets the group of five higher ranking over Liberty, even with the one loss. Uh, credit to the American Conference there. But as much as I love talking about that section of the playoff, man, the top five shakeup is huge because I think we were yeah. all asking ourselves, what happens if Florida, you know, Florida is going to play Louisville in the ACC title game. And right now mm. that is a number five versus number 10 matchup in the playoff. That's a great, that's a great helm. That's a great ranking matchup. Yeah. But I think we all expect Florida state to win that game with Jordan Travis and this Jordan Travis injury now is clearly impacting how the committee is viewing Florida state. And now Florida state is going to need to beat Louisville and they're probably going to need a lot of help in order to get into that top four. Man, I'm just going to say it, man. Florida State is cooked. <laughs> There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. I think even if they win out, they win their last game against Florida, who's dog meat, you know, flat out dog meat. You know, they got they got boat race last week. So, but they're cooked. There's no pathway. And the reason I say that is this. Look at where they have Missouri ranked concerning Louisville. Louisville is a one-loss team, ladies and gentlemen, for you guys that don't know. And they still have a two-loss Missouri team ranked in front of them. So that means that the committee is telling me that they are they don't respect them at all. So even if Florida State boat races Louisville, the anarchy would have to top, happen at the top of the rankings for it to happen. But the deal is this, Andy, is Washington really that good? You know, that's sort of my question. And we'll get into that when we get to the matchup. But your quick thoughts about this, Washington – Really that good, man. I, I'll say this. We're going to talk about their matchup with Washington State coming up. But when we talk about what happened this past week in Corvallis, that is a mm. tough place to go and play. This season, Pac-12 teams on the road have only won four games going into mm. this past Saturday. And two mm. of the Pac-12 road teams pulled it off this week with uh, Oregon – or sorry, ranked Pac-12 teams. That's what I meant to say there. Um, mm. But this week we got we got added two more to that because Washington was able to knock off, um, you know, uh, Oregon State in Corvallis and mm. UCLA was able to knock off USC. Now, mm. this is the part that I think means a lot to Washington and why I can see them getting jumped in the rankings, even though the loss or the win was close. Yeah. Washington won a game in a tough environment in terrible weather with everything going right for the upset against a very, very good Oregon State team, and they still won the game. And you know what? Mm. College football people value that, those kinds of wins so much. They, You can blow somebody out by 40 points, and it means a lot, but what it does mean uh, as, as in this situation is that the committee is viewing it as they find ways to win. They can win multiple ways. They can do the things that championship teams need to do. Now, whether or not you agree with that is another story. I mean, I think that's I all think, facts. I think that's all facts, without a doubt. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm just kind of interested into, into your thought here. Like, I think you and I have been the biggest fans of Michael Penix Jr. since day one, and we're going to talk about the yeah. Heisman stuff in a minute. But mm. to me, I know he didn't put up the numbers, but, like, to me, that was a Heisman game 
in that Washington one because of Michael Penix Jr. and nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, when you had to do a comparison between DJ DJU and Michael Penix Jr. in this last game where they played in a freaking monsoon, the difference was the quarterback play on the field. And Michael Penix Jr., let me tell you all, ladies and gentlemen, that kid can spin that ball because he can spin it. Oh, yeah. They, they stand to win any game that's out there, without a doubt. So, but but I think that the issue with Washington, and it's just my issue, man, their defense, man. I don't know. I think there's, there's almost a buy, whoever lines up against them in the Final Four, if they make the Final Four, because I think their de- defense is fraudulent. I don't think if you look at the top three, maybe in the top five or six, they have the worst defense out of all of them. You know, and when I looked at them on the All-22 film, yeah, they might got maybe one guy that's an NFL player where everybody else, nah, nah. They'll play, but I'm talking about an NFL dog. They don't have that. So that's my issue with Washington. But look, we're going to talk more about the rankings after we get through some of these games because we got some college football talk at the end concerning the Heisman Trophy. We got some coaches news and information report out to you guys. But the big thing this week is because it's war week, we got to get to these games, ladies and gentlemen. It's rivalry week. Everybody hates everybody. You know, like I said, families are split forever after this week. <laughs> you know, first game going down. We just talked a little bit about them. They fell in the polls. The Florida State Seminoles at the Florida Gators, which used to be one of the biggest rivals in college football. I mean, you know, I'm telling my age and dating myself a little bit. But 15 years ago, oh, my God, this game went down. You know, so now it's sort of trash. But, Andy, we got to cover it because it's round one arrival. And we're going to talk about those top teams in the college football playoff. So talk to me a little bit about Florida State versus Florida. What you got, Andy? Yeah, I think that this is going to be a really tough challenge for FSU, not because I think that Florida is that great of a team, but now they need to figure out how do you win without Jordan Travis? And to Mm. me, that is something that I have not really seen from the FSU team at all this year, is that this is a team Mm. that is so based on on the passing attack. It's based off of its offense, getting the ball to Keon Coleman. Its offensive line is much improved, but it's Mm. still not an elite offensive line. And I'm curious as to what the recipe is here. Are you sticking with a pass attack offense where you're doing a lot of misdirection stuff? So I think that we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to talk about Florida state Louisville next week, because that's already locked in as the ACC championship game. One of the things that Louisville does really well is that they use misdirection, uh, lots of players in motion, lots of screens, lots of fake screens, lots of fakes off of the fake screens, and Florida State seems primed to be able to do that because they have the athletes. But that's such yeah. a timing-based offense to try to run that with a backup. It doesn't necessarily seem like the safest move. So mm. now you start going into, like, what can Florida State do to win a game here? And I have not seen a lot of the Florida State offense outside of Jordan Travis step up in a way that makes me feel comfortable saying – oh yeah, even though they're playing a backup quarterback, Florida State still has the offensive weaponry that they can go down against the Florida, hang 35, and win this game comfortably. Like, they yeah. still might win comfortably, but I don't know if it's going to be 
you know, putting up a ton of points. They're going to be relying on their defense to 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 do a, a a heavy amount of the lifting. Yeah, this is going to be the game, in my opinion, where you're going to see where Wilson and Keon Coleman uh, benefited tremendously from the quarterback play of Jordan Travis. You know, because now you got this kid that's coming in his name Tate Tate Rotermaker, who's coming in to play quarterback. And ladies and gentlemen, he don't have no spin. I watched him play against a subpar, maybe FBS squad, and he don't got to spin. Now, did he have to spin it against that team to win? Nah. However, <laughs> he don't got it. You know, and so they have, you know, sort of like an Ohio State thing. You know, we've been forever had all-world receivers. But this year we got maybe a marginal quarterback. So now they don't look all-world because it's about ball placement and being able to spin that ball. And that's why I think Florida State is going to take a giant step backwards. Now, don't get me wrong. Is Florida going to boat race them? Is Florida even going to beat them? Nah, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Because Florida has been dog trash all year. You know, there's, there's no other way to say it. The high expectations they were supposed to be, there's that SEC bias of this, that, and this, and this, and that. No. Florida's trash, flat out. And so, athlete for athlete, man on man, FSU should dominate this game. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. However, that's why they play. And that's why they call it a rivalry. So I I, I expect Florida State to win. But let me hear from Andy. Andy, who you got and who you think is going to win this game for sure this week? Yeah, I think that this is really interesting because, again, you're, you're looking at Florida State and you expect them to have a four-star or a five-star in the wings waiting to kind of pick up, especially considering that Jordan Travis was, was a veteran guy. Um, but Rodemaker's a three-star. Like, there's mm. – I'm sorry, but there's, like, nothing special about him like maybe he ends up being something special down the line but like not in this situation and not with this level of coaching and timing so mm-hmm. my my thing here is that I do think that Florida State's the better team I think this defensive front is very good I don't think that Florida has proven that they can win any game in that in those trenches and I think that ultimately FSU wins this game it might be something mm-hmm. stupid like 25 to 10 maybe 25 yeah. to 16 or something, but like they're, they're going to win, but you're really not going to feel good about them going into the ACC title game um, with, and, and I think that they need another week or two with this current offense for us to be able to more fully evaluate what they can actually do with Rodemaker behind, uh, taking snaps under center. I don't disagree, but this is the thing, man, and this is the truth of the matter. The Florida Gators coach is playing for his job. I don't know if you guys understand and know that because they do not accept mediocrity down in Florida and Gainesville, right? And so what other way or what better way could you save your job by pulling an upset against the number five team ranked in the country? I'm not saying they're going to win. I think they're still going to lose, but I think this game's going to be super duper close because of the drop off at the quarterback position for the Florida State Seminoles. Give me Florida State 27. Florida Gators 24. They win a field goal, and I think the committee comes back next week and drops them even further down, past five, maybe down to six and or seven next week for sure, for sure. You guys, we're going to move to the next game, man. It's a rival. We're talking about a team that could make the college football playoff. The commissioner of the Big 12 said, hey, listen, we helped the Texas Tech Beats the dog shoes or break shoes 
off of the Texas Longhorns. Came out his mouth that we're going to show up and show out from Lubbock, Texas, to the University of Texas, and they plan on getting it in and crashing the party and giving Texas no opportunity to play in the college football playoff. Andy, we got Texas Tech versus the University of Texas down there at Dope Walker Stadium. Who you got, Andy? And what you got going on this week with the highlights from this game between Texas Tech and Texas? Yeah, this is one of those games where I'm not a 1,000% sure Texas Tech is even going to have a, <laughs> a leg to stand on. Like, if this was down in Lubbock, I'd feel a lot differently about this game. But mm. it's in Austin. Quinn Ewers is back. Uh, Texas is still reeling though with, with the loss of, uh, you know, their, their star running back. Jordan Brooks. Uh, yeah, I, Jordan Brooks. yeah, I don't, I don't believe Brooks is going to be make, making it back for this game, which is mm -hmm. slightly concerning for me, but, um, I like, I like yours coming back, man. Like I know mm -hmm. he hasn't looked great, but mm -hmm. that kid is a gamer and we've seen it before. We saw it in the Alabama game. If things get tight, that guy can make a throw to win you the game. And I honestly don't think it's going to be all that close. Like Sarkeesian has done a really great job this year showing me that mm -hmm. the offensive game planning has improved. Like the way that they just scheme up opponents and the way that they're leveraging their great athletes to target the middle of the field. Some of the best mm -hmm. offensive play calling that I've seen this year by anybody. Um, yeah. So I just, I just feel like Texas is such an overwhelming favor here. And it's really bringing into focus that, like, man, they dropped the ball in Red River. Like, Oklahoma yeah. has proven to be very good, but not as good or as talented as Texas. And dropping mm -hmm. Red River is is the only thing that's keeping Texas out of that top four of the playoff. Yeah, I, I, I agree without a shadow of a doubt. If Texas had beat Oklahoma, that they would probably be ranked in front of Ohio State. Just because I know that the bias that goes on concerning big-time wins against SEC opponents. So, but they blew it. I mean, Oklahoma's two-loss team, they're really marginal. They're not really that good. So, but Texas got an opportunity to play, Andy, to get in the playoff. I was talking to a group of guys earlier about this whole process, and the deal is this. Bama beats Georgia. Washington loses. Hey, hey, Texas is good as anybody, you know, and there's going to be a gang of one-loss teams. And I think that this is the first time that a lot of Texas fans is actually saying they think and feel that their team should get an opportunity to play their way into the playoff. So I think this game against Texas Tech, they got a boat racer. You know, they need to put up a gang of points against uh, Texas Tech. There ain't no ifs, ands, buts about it. If they look how they looked against Iowa State, the committee's going to be looking like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But if they boat race Texas Tech and whoever they play, in the Big 12 championship game next week. Yeah, they're in. And I love your take about Quinn Ewers. He's Quinn Ewers has to throw the ball deep to Xavier Worthy. That I mean, that's if that I'm Steve Starkeesian, that's what I'm doing. I'm looking to put up 70. You know, we're gonna hang a hundred on them. That's the type of mentality that you got to have going in this game. Try to keep it close, you're in trouble. But you know, that's just me. So, Andy, who you got between Texas and Texas Tech this week? I really like the Longhorns to win this game, put a stamp on their season. I think they're going to win this game 36 to 20. Um, I think it's going to be, I think, I think Texas tech might get some points late. I think that Texas might take their foot off the gas, knowing that the pack, you know, the big 12 title game is 
in their sights. And if they're up big late, like take some of the first stringers out, put in those second stringers, uh, you mm. know, save, save reps. But I don't think this game's going to be close at all. Uh, and I think that you're just going to see Texas really establish themselves as the best team in the big 12 this year. And I, and I think yeah. I feel like, I know that we, we, the Texas is back thing has kind of fallen out because of the loss in red river. But mm-hmm. without a shadow of doubt, this team is the best in the Big 12. And I think that there's a pretty significant step between Texas and everybody else in that conference. I don't disagree, man. You know, I had somebody I'd say, you know, that if Alabama and Texas played again right now, Bama would beat them. I'm not sure, sure about that. I think that Texas would still beat Bama today because they're really not good of a team. Defensively, they got at least two All-Americans. Their link is number 28, Thompson. Jordan Thompson, the safety, he he's he's dog trash. You know, he's he's circle the link, identify him, and throw the ball wherever he's at on the field. That's that's what you have to do. But overall, their defensive line and linebacker play has been great. Their corner play has not been bad. And they got Quinn Ewers, who, when he's hot, is one of the top quarterbacks in the country. So I'm gonna say Texas 42, Texas Tech 17. I think they both race them. I really do. I think the Texas Tech don't get a touchdown or two until late in the third going in the fourth when they start subbing guys in and out. But I, I Because I think this is the game that Texas makes a statement to the committee. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got to take a 10-second commercial break. We got to pay some bills on Fans First Sports Network. We will be right back after 10, and we take this short break with part two of the Level Up College Football War Week Playoff show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, fans, First Sports Network, rocking out with my boy Andy P on the Level Up Podcast. You can catch us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those things out there for listening. But we are live every week on YouTube. So those that watch us, please like, subscribe, and share this documentation with everybody out there. Because guess what? We bring it. We bring the noise and we bring the pain on the Level Up Podcast. Andy P, what's up with you, do? I'm loving this week's matchups. We talked about some good rivalries. I feel like this second part of the show here, this is when we get into the good stuff. This yeah. is when we get into the rivalries that got names They've got history. They've got mm. playoff teams. This is this is the meat of the show right here. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so, without ado, we got to pay homage to the Adios Muchachos Pac-12 Conference. This is the last time some of these rivalries are going to be going on. So we got We're gonna hit the two bangers this week for sure in the Pac-12. We got the Civil War, ladies and gentlemen. Oregon versus Oregon State. It's going to be bananas, man. You know, they're they're playing up there in, in, in Oregon land. 
It's Quackland. You know, I heard, <laughs> listen, uh, the grapevine told me they're going to rock a new uniform they've never rocked before. So, you know, that's hard for Oregon. That is hard because Oregon got some stuff. But they said that they're coming out in this rivalry and they're going to rock something they've never rocked before. So I'm just going to look at the game just because of that, let alone the play of Bo Nix and how much playoff impl implications this game actually has. But, man, it's going to be a banger. So, Andy, what you got this week with Oregon State coming off a loss, which they could have won against Washington, against the Oregon Ducks? Yeah, Oregon State is one of those teams that I think can beat you in a lot of different ways. They just – you know, they don't they don't have the bodies up front on either side of the trenches to really enforce their will on every single snap. Like like mm. they they can win a lot of one on one matchups, but they're not going to win every one on one matchup. And I think that that's where this game against Oregon gets tricky. I do not think that this game is going to you know, I don't think Oregon's going to win this game by 13 and a half points. I do not think that this is a mm. two touchdown game. I think this is a single score game for sure. But mm. I do think that what Dan Lanning has done at Oregon is instill that SEC mentality of winning every matchup in the trenches as the core foundation of the game plan. And mm. that is something that Oregon never really did before, even with Chip Kelly. This is, mm. this is a new look of Oregon. This is a new mentality for Oregon. And mm. I do think that, as much as I don't trust Bo Nix in tight games still, even though I probably should, um, I I do think that Oregon State is just not going to have the snap after snap consistency of beating back the Oregon offensive line or mm -hmm. defending the Oregon initial rush to win this game. What I do mm -hmm. think is going to be interesting, though, man, Oregon State, has an absolute beast at running back, man. That kid. Oh, he's him. Uh, he's him. Yeah. Uh, it's really funny because my friends and I, we were talking about, like, who does this kid remind you of? Like, as we were watching the highlights, like Dennis Martinez. And really, he just, he reminds me of uh, of Jacques Rogers. Like, that's, well, it's. I got, it's, I got a name again. for you. I got a name yeah. for you. Steven Jackson. Yeah. Steve, there he reminds go. me of Steven Jackson. Right. Yeah. Straight up banger like, for Oregon this, State. This, he is he's so good. Like at this point, over a thousand yards, averaging six point uh three yards per carry, nine touchdowns on the season. And and last week against Washington, 123 yards for two touchdowns, averaging almost five yards a carry. Like mm. Oregon is going to have their work cut out for them. And this is for me the most interesting matchup because if I look at SP plus, which is obviously my preferred uh, way of, of viewing college football stats, mm. Oregon has the 17th best defense in the country, according to SP plus yeah. Oregon state has the 16th best offense. This is an opportunity for the Beavers to use DJU's ability to th throw the ball like short accurately with mm. timing and mm. this new running attack that's developed for them and really keep Oregon off balance. And to me, like you were, you were talking about when we talk about Washington and the concerns around their defense, for me, it's yeah. kind of similar with Oregon. I have concerns about this defense being able to handle somebody that doesn't have a clear, this is how we want to win the game. Yeah, yeah. Andy, me and you talk backstage and all about the strength of the Pac-12, and we believe top to bottom that the Pac-12 is the strongest conference out there, without a shadow of a doubt.
But this is the deal. And this is where a lot of people got to really look at Oregon. You know, Arizona jumped back up into the top 25 this week. But can you name me another game that Oregon won against any of the top 25? Oregon actually had the weakest schedule of every team ranked out there in the Pac-12. They didn't play no hitters. They didn't play no bangers. They didn't play anybody where you were like, oh, wow. You know, USC, total trash. You know, Colorado, don't even get me started. You know, <laughs> and you really start going down their schedule, and they haven't hit anybody yet. You know, when they did, when they played Washington, they took the L. So now here we are, and Bo Nix has been putting up these astronomical numbers, but it's been against mid-teams, subpar teams. So we're going to find out real fast if Oregon is really the truth. We're going to find out real quick, fast, and hurry in this game because it's going to be cold, and Martinez is going to run downhill, and he's going to try to run over everybody he runs against, and they're going to run that zone read left and right with DJU. He, heck, he's 260 pounds. So he turns that corner, he bangs into you, third, fourth quarter, you're going to feel it, you know. But this is why I like Oregon. One guy and one guy only, and it ain't Bo Nix. It's Irvin, the running back. Their running back is legit. He's an NFL player. What round, I don't know, but he's going to play at the next level. So I like sometimes when your matchup is we're going to do to you what you've always done to us. So I think that Oregon is going to try to shorten the game versus try to stretch it out and blow them out. I don't think that's going to happen. So, but before I get to my pick, I got to let Andy, you know how we do on the show, bro. What's your pick and what's the score, man? This is one of those games that as a, as somebody who knows somebody who loves the Pac-12 more than anything, also shout out to Tim Lyons in the in, in the comments. He is he is one of our Pac-12 defenders out there. Uh this is going to be a game where the, the metrics say that Oregon's going to win this game by like 10 points or so. Nah, mm. I, I think that this is going to be whoever has the ball last. I think Oregon is going to win this game because it's really hard to win on the road in the Pac-12. Like I was talking mm. to you backstage, it's only been six teams that have been ranked and been able to win games on the road in the Pac-12 this year. Yeah. I am going to take Oregon winning this game 31-28. I think they kick a late Ooh. field goal to win the game. Uh, but I do think that Oregon State is going to give them every last thing that they've got because for them, this is the game. This is this is this is the the last time the Civil War is, is scheduled to take place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unlike Washington, Washington State, which we're gonna get to, they signed on an agreement to play through the 2028-29 season. Oregon said, hey man, Oregon State, you guys can kick rocks. So there's there's some vengeful stuff feeling right here, man. They, they might never not play again ever again in life. So, you know, the issue is, does Oregon State use that for fuel? Because they're pissed. They, they, they had Washington dead to rights. They had them. DJU, you laid an egg, bro. You laid an egg. Mm -hmm. You had the ball to win it, and you couldn't complete a pass. I know it was a monsoon, but look, man, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games, and you didn't do it. So now here you come again. Here's another team who you can ruin their season. Do you beat them? Andy, I like the score. I like the score, and I like Oregon. But I'm telling you, it's going to be close. It is not going to be a blowout at all. This game, there's listen, I can promise you this. There's going to be a fight in this game. Oh, I guarantee you, 
Like all the games, there's two games I can guarantee there's going to be a fight. This is one of them. There's going to be some emotions. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be some swinging. Some guys going to get kicked out. There's some stuff going down in this game for sure, for sure. So, man, I can't wait to get to it, but I just think Oregon pulls it out late. 31-28. I like to score and everything. Andy, we're to our other Pac-12 rival, which, by the way, we already preferenced, has it set up for them to play moving forward. Washington, Washington State. The Apple Cup. You know how they get down out there. Man, I remember Drew Bledsoe in the Apple Cup just destroyed Washington one year. Oh, my God. That, tells, that dates me as well. But I remember him just eating them off the bone, right? But this game is one of those underrated rivalries, right? And I think that's why Washington and Washington State had an agreement to continue the rivalry moving forward, right? So we got Washington. Michael Penix is playing for everything versus Washington State. Who King, the quarterback, is still he's still serviceable, man. And that spread is huge. So, Andy, who you got, man? Who you got? I I just think that like what Washington has continued to do in winning these close Pac-12 games, one, I think it does validate the fact that Washington's defense is a bit sus. Like, I am I am not gonna be the one to stand here and say, well, actually, Washington defense is pretty good. No, no. Washington's defense is Full trash at a level that concerns me when yeah yeah it's it's not as bad not as trash. USC's it's it, it's not good it's it's just not there um mm. but the offense is there and the offense is in a position where they can put up a lot of points here and I think this is going to be a good old-fashioned shootout like I Ooh. I do think that Washington State has shown that they can put up a lot of points um the the problem with Washington State is that when you when you start looking at at what Washington State is, um, they're not a very good defensive team either. So no, I can't right. really see a I can't see a formula here where they're getting enough stops. Like they're yeah. according to SP Plus, they're the 81st best defense. Like yeah. man, Michael Penix Jr. is going to ball out here. Now, yeah, yeah. that also means that I don't that doesn't mean that I don't think that Washington is going to be able to stop Washington State all that much. But I think it'll kind of be similar to the USC game that we saw where every single drive, Washington is scoring. And then they just need their defense to get one or two stops or Mm -hmm. one or two limit them to a field goal, and Mm -hmm. and they can win this game. This is another one where if it was up in Pullman, I'd feel a lot different about this game. But because it's in Seattle, because it's going to be at Husky Stadium, I I just think that Michael Penix and that team are just going to be cooking for this game. Yeah, Andy, I don't disagree with you, bro. And this is the thing. So, and we're going to talk about this a little later on the show, right? This is the closest Heisman balloting or ballot that we will see probably for the next decade because there's legitimate five or six guys that could win it in these next two weeks. Michael Penix Jr. is one of those guys. Michael Penix Jr., if he balls out of control, he throws for 350 plus yards, four plus touchdowns, and they have a convincing win this week. And then he pops Oregon again for that second time next week and plays well. I think the trophy's his. However, the issue we've seen with Michael Penix Jr. is he's had some roller coaster rides, including a game he should have lost against Arizona State 15 to 9 earlier this season. So that's the issue. When he's pressed, what does he do? And I think that Washington State is just going to come out with everything. They're going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at him trying to beat him. 
He'll get defenses he's never seen. I think they're going to blitz him 85% of the snaps. I mean, he'll see six and seven guys every single time. They're like, beat me, man, beat me. If you just beat me, you beat me. But we're going to try to hurt you and knock you out the game. And I, and I think that's going to tighten it up, you know, because eventually does Washington stand up? Because the issue or the narrative on Washington is they're soft, you know. And so Washington State's like, we're the bully. You guys ain't. So that's why I say this is going to be an interesting game. But, Andy, you know how we get out, bro. Score. What you got? Apple Cup, Washington, and Washington State. Again, I really think that this game is going to be a, a shootout of all shootouts. I think that Washington wins this one 45-35. to 35. And it's, it's, there's just a lot of points. It's close, but in the fourth quarter, the Huskies pull away. Mm. Andy, I like the score. I like the score. I like the win. But I'm going to even make it closer. I'm going to say it's 49-42. And Penix Jr. gets a Heisman moment by going down and scoring late. That, that's because I think they'll lead a little bit early on on their run game because they got a legit running back in Washington. But I think when the when the money's on the line and he got to go get it to prove that he should get that Heisman Trophy, hey, it's a two-week audition, man. What you going to do when it gets tight mm -hmm. on you, buddy? And that's what we're trying to see. Are, do, are you deserving of the Heisman Trophy? It's yours to take. It's yours to lose. You got to do what you got to do, bro. So he needs a Heisman moment against a rival, Washington State, and then going to do what he does next week in the Pac-12 championship game. But I like the Washington Huskies for sure. For you guys that are watching this out there on, on an, an YouTube land, hey, what's up, Tim? Like the comment. We're going to take a quick commercial break, come back and answer Tim's question. Give us like 10 seconds, and we'll be back because we got to pay some bills on the Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast with me and my boy Andy P in the building. podcast fans for sports network andy p and big g in the building man it's been a crazy stuff show already man war week it's straight up anarchy going around everywhere man we don't know i mean listen that's why they call it rivalry week. you don't know who's going to do what and how they're going to do it and we've seen over and over and over over the years that teams that ain't supposed to win wins right Tim, I agree with your comment, too, just backtracking a little bit. I think Washington State could upset, but I think they could blow them out either And either way. So, yeah, absolutely. That's why it's called rivalry. It's war week. These teams hate each other. Let's just face it. Let's let's just be honest, Andy. Don't you agree? They just – they hate each other. They – they it is one of those things where, like, as somebody who watches the film, wa breaks this game down through stats – you go into this week with like logical thoughts on like how these things should break down. And then you have to throw that all out the window because sometimes it's a rivalry and sometimes weird things happen. And it's, and, but that's also great. Cause you're, you're post Thanksgiving, you've had your Turkey, you're eating leftovers. You just kind of mm -hmm. want to turn your brain off and you don't want to think about it too much. That's mm -hmm. what this week is so special for man, man. And saying that, I think this is the weakest of the rival games, but this could be the actual upset that just shakes everything. The Iron Bowl. Listen, Auburn is trash, right? 
And Bama's coming in higher <laughs> than any team in the country, right? Milroe has showed that he done leveled up. He definitely next year is going to be an NFL prospect. I mean, whether you like it or not, he's a first-round prospect next year with his continued play because he's leveled up, you know. But, man, it's the Iron Bowl. I can't tell you how many times I done seen banana stuff happen. I remember the one year there was the kickoff where the guy ran it all the way back, you know, at the end of the game, and Auburn upset Bama and killed their, their, their dance or going on to the college football playoff or whatever. So it's always been banana stuff going on with this game, man. But, Andy, you know how we do. Do the breakdown, man. Give me the Auburn-Alabama. Tell me what you see, bro. I'm telling you right now, Auburn is a team that I have a lot of questions with, man. You lose to New Mexico State on SoCon Saturday. What mm. the heck are you doing, Hugh Freeze? Yeah, yeah. I, I never I never liked the Hugh Freeze hire. I always thought it was a bit of a, a panicky move to go after Hugh Freeze, and I think that this is kind of the reason why, is that, sure, he might make you competitive in this Alabama game, but like I don't think that Auburn has it in terms of mm. actual offensive scheme, in terms of any like real schematic advantage that they can leverage to beat Alabama. Like when mm. I, when I look at you know you look at this team and you look at this offense, they got a bunch of guys that are fine. They don't have anybody that stands mm. out as, as like absolutely amazing. You know Peyton yeah. uh, Peyton Thorn the quarterback. He's been really up and down. He's played some yeah. absolute clunkers of games. Uh, you know, the Ole Miss and the LSU game kind of stand out here. Um, but the New Mexico State game was another one where he was just perfectly average. And mm. the only good games that he's had so far, uh, weirdly, have been against Georgia. He looked pretty solid. Uh, mm. And against Mississippi State, who just fired their head coach. Um, I I just don't think that there's enough of a body of work for you to look at Auburn and say, what they're doing in any way, shape, or form can lead to an upset of an Alabama team that yeah. is clicking on all cylinders. And I am, I'm, I tell you what, right now, I know Georgia looks really good. And we're not talking about mm. Georgia because they're about to play Georgia Tech and just blow the snot out of the Yellow Jackets. <laughs> so like, Muchachos, my friend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They got their, they, Georgia Tech got their bowl game bid clinched against Syracuse. Like, look, it, it mm. all worked out for them. They, they don't really care. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm Georgia, like, yeah, this game against Alabama is starting to look real squirrely and and not mm. in the good ways where I don't – I think that if Bama is as focused as they've looked in past weeks, they'll blow mm. out Auburn and the SEC championship game suddenly becomes the most inf- interesting conference championship game on the schedule. Yeah. Hey, man, I'm going to say a term, and I'm not saying that these people are out of here or dead, but let me tell you something. Bo Jackson's rolling over his grave. Uh-huh. Cam Newton is rolling over in his grave. Charles Barkley, who didn't even play football for Auburn University, is rolling over his grave. Frank Thomas is rolling over in his grave right now for the condition of the Auburn Tigers. It makes no sense at all. Hugh Freeze, you are playing for your job. You better show up and show out. So this is the, this is the sign that they got floating around down there. Saban sucks. <laughs> Saban sucks. And he's he's got his players believing it. He's got his players believing that, hey, look, we played against each other in high school. Some of us are front lifelong friends. But Saban sucks, man. And we don't we don't like Nick Saban around here. 
So he's got to circle the wagons like you've never seen the wagons circle before ever in life concerning this game. And the bottom line is, man, if he don't, bye-bye, my friend. Your job, you're fired. Like in the morning. Like as soon as you lose on Saturday, Sunday morning, you're fired. And that's the deal. So, Andy, you know what we get out. Hey, Auburn Bama, who you got? I honestly think that Alabama is going to roll here. I, I don't think that Auburn has anything on either side of the ball. Um, I, I like Alabama to win this game 35 to 20. Like, I, I mm. do not think that – there's a part of me that doesn't love giving Auburn that many points, but we've seen it before. Alabama has had a really hard time putting teams away this year, and mm. – there is a reason Hugh Freeze got this job and it's because he is an offensive genius and he has shown the ability to hang with Saban in the past. I don't know if this is going to be a game where Saban allows Auburn back into the game by letting off the gas pedal late or if Auburn mm-hmm. takes the lead early and then Saban steps on the gas pedal and, and puts the throat on, on the Tigers. Mm. But I, I do think that Auburn is going to get some points here, but ultimately it's not going to be enough. Bam is going to roll, go to the SEC championship game. And unfortunately, we're going to spend next week talking about scenarios where Alabama makes it into the playoff, which is going to make me a little sick to my stomach. <laughs> so, hey, listen, for all, all y'all listening to us out there, Andy P says Saban sucks as well. So, so he don't like it. He don't like him at all. But this is the former, game, former, I will say this former Syracuse grad assistant. So like we technically are trying to like cl- take claim to him, but like, nah, nah, not really. Not really. No, 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 no. He's out of here. He, we get no claim for him up here in the North. Saving you need to stay down. Listen, he coached in Michigan state and we still don't claim him in big 10. Get him out. You know, you stay down there down South without a shadow of a doubt. Hey, so listen, man, this is the deal, man. They have a clear path to the playoff. If there's any team that you win and you're in, outside of the last game we're going to talk about, winning you're in, these next two, they're in. There's no doubt about it. They beat Auburn, they pop Georgia, they're in. Because there's no way in God's green earth that the committee is going to leave out an SEC team, especially SEC champion. No. A one-loss SEC champion, you're in. Now, what seed you are, I don't know. But they have the easiest path. They control their destiny. Outside of the next team, two teams we're going to talk about more than anybody. You win your next two, you're in. Everybody else, I don't know. It's it's, it's some debating going on out there. But th- these two jokers, Georgia and Bama, yeah. But this is the deal, man. It's Auburn-Bama, right? It's always some trickery, some foolery. There's going to be a fake punt, a fake field goal, end around, triple pass. The center might throw a pass for Auburn. Who knows? You know, we we might get a fumble Ruski to the center. I mean, it's going to be – they're going to pull out every stop you can think of to try to win this game. I just don't think that Auburn can do it. They don't have the horses. And I think it's – Hugh Freeze, it's all over with, dude. I think it's over with. So I think Bama pulls away late. I like Bama 35-17. But I think for at least a half, maybe midway through the third quarter, the game's going to be close because it's a rival. And that's how they get down during rivalry. Andy, we're to the pinnacle, man. We're to the mountaintop. This is the game that the nation has been waiting on 
for 364 days. And we are in that week, bro. This is it. Ain't no more talking. All the scandalous stuff that still went on with Hardball. His coaching staff getting fired left and right. Heck, he just lost a linebacker's coach. I'm hearing that, that, that Hard is the next one out the door. You know, scandalous, just scandalous on top of scandals. Jim Harbaugh, your coach has been suspended not once, but twice for a total of six games. But guess what? Michigan's undefeated coming into the game. And they got the Buckeyes coming into that up in there in the big house, bro. It's going to get ugly. Listen, inside information I know. You can quote it. You can check it. You can Google it. Ohio State has hired a security force to come with them to the Michigan game, and they've never done it before in the history of the, of the Michigan-Ohio State game. They have hired six independent sheriffs along with four other members of the security force just to cut down what goes on the tunnel, let alone going in and out, because it's the most preposterous thing I've ever seen in, that, in, in my life. There's one way in that stadium and one way out. Any of you guys ever been to the big house? That's what's going on. And guess what? Michigan sits in that tunnel and waits, bruh. They wait, and they hear when Ohio State's going out. And they listen, there's been a fight every year in that tunnel. Every year there's something goes down. But this year, the persona versus the two coaches. I listen. I listened into the Harbaugh press conference today. Jim Harbaugh was asked, do you like Ryan Day? you think he's a good coach? He skittle-scattled and piffle-paffled around the question and then flat out basically said he's trash. Ryan Day wasn't asked whether or not Harbaugh was a good coach. But he said, you know, there's been some scandalous stuff going on up there. So we're going to take care of that. And I'm hearing already that he's in the locker room talking about we're going to hang 50 on him. I'm hearing already out of Columbus, Ohio, that Ryan Day is talking smack and said we're going up there to hang 50 on him. We're going to put 50 on him because we don't think they can score 20. So he's going to be super aggressive from what I'm hearing. And listen, we'll get to it. But there's going to be some plays you ain't seen Ohio State all year. And there's going to be some plays you ain't seen out of Michigan all year, too. But, Andy P., we're to the game, man. We're to the rivalry. Talk to me, man. The Buckeyes of Ohio State versus the Wolverines of Michigan. Yeah, man, I – listen, you probably can do a much better detailed breakdown than I can do. I can do a very high level here. And at a high level, we have two elite, elite defenses – going up against two offenses that are both very good, but in very different ways. The, mm. the Michigan offense is good because they can run the ball down your throat with a quarterback who's just good enough to make you have to respect the pass. Mm. The Ohio State offense is a team that wants to get it to that future top two NFL draft pick on the yeah, outside Maserati. wide receiver. Maserati. And, Maserati. Yeah. Yep. And has a running back and a running game good enough that you have to respect the run. And I don't mm. think it's I don't think it's any coincidence mm. that the Ohio State offense looks so much better when uh Henderson came back from injury. Like mm. I I think that this is a styles make fights kind of game. I think this is one where if you are somebody who really likes to watch defensive schematic stuff, this is going to be great because the way that both of these teams choose to attack the gaps of the other team, uh, mm. the way that they choose to disguise and bring in multiple pressures and multiple coverages is going to be really interesting. 
because Ohio State is playing defense so that they can put as many people in the box to stop the run without getting penalized by the pass. Well, mm. Michigan is trying to do the thing where we need to limit where Marvin Harrison Jr. is open in space without giving mm. up too much in the box and stopping the run. And mm. to me, it's a really fat, it's going to be a really fascinating defensive matchup where this is one of those games where one of these two quarterbacks who admittedly both of these quarterbacks aggressively mid like Mm -hmm. they're both very good college quarterbacks neither one of them are guys that i'm like you know what this guy's like a great nf like they're nfl career backups if that yeah yeah and so it it brings me to this moment of like that's kind of what makes this game so interesting and so and so intriguing is that every other time that we have a big game here you and i are talking about the quarterback battle you and i are talking about Mm -hmm. which quarterback is going to elevate themselves to that level this is not about that. This is about the other 21 guys on both sides of the field, which I think, which to me as a football fan, I absolutely mm. love. Mm. I, I think that's why this is the game, right? This is the game. Do you know in the rivalry, this is the 15th time that both teams have been ranked in the top 10 in the rivalry. It's unreal. It's unlike any other rivalry that's out there, right? These teams literally hate each other. And I think the hate is even more this year. Because Jimmy Harbaugh thought when Urban Meyer walked that he was going to have a cakewalk. And Ryan Day boat mm-hmm. raced him back-to-back years until 2020 COVID year when Michigan ducked Ohio State, and it's been a robbery ever since. These teams hate each other, and they're taking on the persona of their coach. Now, Andy, you gave some great points, right? But I'm going to tell you something that I, that I know about what's going to happen in this game. And you were right on point about the defenses. Ohio State has the number one defense in the country. Michigan has the number the, the number two defense in the country. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. These are the best two defensive teams you will see all year, right? But how they're going to do it is going to be different. Michigan is going to try to get pressure on Kyle McCord with the front four. That's it. You're going to see Michigan sitting cover two all day long because they're going to be scared to death to let Ma- Maserati Marv, to let Emeka Buka, to let Tate, the freshman, or, and you remember I told you guys this on the Level Up podcast, there's a kid, number 11, his name's Enos. Ryan Day's been holding on to him all year. He let him show against Purdue just to show that you got to be scared of him because he can go to the house anytime he gets the ball. And I remember traditionally in this game is when he, when Ohio State lets a freshman wide receiver loose. Y'all remember Chris Olave? <laughs> y'all, remember Garrett, y'all remember Garrett Wilson? Y'all remember J- Jalen Marshall? I mean, I, I can go all the way back. A freshman wide receiver kills Michigan. It happens every year. Remember Curtis Samuel? Nobody knew who he was. And he came against Michigan and he blew him out. And they were like, holy crap, what is this guy? You know, so Ennis, look out for him. But Michigan's going to try to pressure McCord with those front four. On the other hand, Ohio State is going to blitz the brake shoes off of J.J. McCarthy. That's the only way they can beat him. They're going to run blitz heavy the whole game. Michigan's going to run eight offensive linemen or six offensive linemen and two tight ends out there. They're going to do that repeatedly. Because, and by the way, the number one wide receiver for Michigan is questionable this week. He might not play, which could hurt them tremendously, right? Because he's not a first-round talent. He's not like, it's not like, you know, the other way. But you're going to see him run that big package. And basically, they're going to say, 
Ohio State, you're some punks. We're better than you. We're stronger than you. We're going to truck you. We're going to manhandle you. And this is our house, and we're defending our coach. So Ohio State's going to run blitz heavy, which means that McCarthy's might have to beat him with his legs, which he's capable of. Don't get me wrong. For all y'all that don't know, I got mad respect for Michigan. Mad respect. Not necessarily for their coaching or coaching staff, but for those 22 players that go out there on that field, they have some serious NFL talent, including the three offensive internal linemen, including one of their tight ends, including probably all 11 starting defensive players. And at least two of them is going in the first round. At, at, like number 78, Streets. Oh, my God. How 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 is he 6'3", 335 pounds and run down a running back against Penn State? He ran him down. He, he caught him. So that's letting you know that's that's not supposed to happen. Anger or not, he's not supposed to get him, and he went and got him. So he's the real deal. But the game's going to come down to, and I think this without a shadow of a doubt, Michigan's got one big-time playmaker. Blake Quorum's that guy. He's him. Edwards, I don't know. But Blake Quorum, he's that guy. Ohio State's got two. Maserati Marv and Travion Henderson. Travion Henderson, ladies and gentlemen, is probably the fastest Ohio State Buckeye outside of Curtis Samuel and Teddy Ginn Jr. In the history, last 20 years history of Ohio State, he's the fastest guy. Without He's faster than Paris Campbell. I'm telling you he is. He's a 10-100 guy, flat out, right? And he can break it anywhere in the house. So, man, it's, it's a lot going on, man. And, I, you know, not just because I'm a Buckeye fan, but I think this is going to be one of the best Ohio State-Michigan games we've ever seen because of how big the rivalry is, man. Andy, we're to that time, man. I've been waiting 364 days to say this, bro. Who you got and who's going to win the game between Ohio State and Michigan? Dude. I've been dreading this moment since we agreed to do this podcast together. I'm I'm not kidding. I yeah. have known I have known that from the beginning when level up was going to be created, that this game was going to happen, that these two teams were going to be undefeated, and that I'd have to mm. look you in the eye and I'd have to pick either your Ohio State Buckeyes or yeah. the Michigan Wolverines. What, what I did not know was that one of these coaches was going to be suspended from sitting on the field for this game. What yeah. I did not know was that we would go through a full season where Michigan just didn't play anybody uh, until mm. the Penn State game. Mm. And again, this is this is my thing. I I think in this game you can think really logically and you can look at the stats and you're going to mm. see that Michigan is probably a little bit better on a lot of stats that that matter. Mm. Like right now, Michigan is the number one team in SP plus and Mm. Ohio state's the number three team in SP plus. And I really Mm. like SP plus, Mm. but, but here's my, butt. man, Ohio state has weathered the storm. They've got their full roster at health right now. They've got more ways to win on offense. They've got more playmakers on defense. If this game was at the shoe, I'd be taking Ohio State without even thinking about it. Like, no hesitation, Mm -hmm. I'd take Ohio State any day. It being in the big house makes me concerned. 
but I think Ohio State wins this game 19-17. It's a weird one. It's a tight one. But at the end of the day, one of these teams has Marvin Harrison Jr., and the other one does not. And I am I just don't think we realize that Ohio State could have won the national title last year mm. just on how good Marvin Harrison Jr. was. And that is something that mm. keeps me up at night all the time. Like I just think about like, man, Ohio State was right there. And Marvin mm. Harrison Jr. has only gotten bigger, stronger, and better. And the team around him has only gotten better. Andy, I'm going to tell you something, man. You have officially earned an honorary Ohio State Buckeye as of today on the show. <laughs> you are you are an honorary Ohio State Buckeye. I know you love Syracuse, but you've earned it. You've earned it because you didn't let your heart shake you up. You you went what's logical and what makes a lot of sense. So you earned it. Mm-hmm. So congratulations for joining the Buckeye family. I'm going to send you some stickers so you can put some Buckeyes all on, whatever else you got. Put it all around, that, <laughs> put it all around the house. See your shirt and everything. You're a Buckeye because you, you led with your heart. With, I mean, with your mind versus your heart on this one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ohio State Buckeyes will prevail against the Michigan Wolverines. And I know that the road teams only won two of the last 15 matchups. I know that. I I know more about this game. I could go on for two hours about what I know about this game. But, man, let me tell you all something. It's just something about when you got the playmakers to make the difference. It's something about that, man. And I know – I just hope – listen, let me say this. I hope that the referees don't let this game get out of hand. Yeah. I hope they don't. I I hope that they call it tight and there's ticky-tack calls all over the place. I hope. Because if it gets out of hand, I feel not only for the player safety, but for some of the fan safety. If we're able to go to Ann Arbor and win, because it's really that big. It, this, this is blood. This year, this is straight up blood. This is like, man, it's some hate going down, man. Some straight up hate. Unlike any time I've ever seen it ever in my lifetime. I've never seen it this bad. You know, I, I I saw when Trestle took over. I saw when Urban Meyer. I saw when John Cooper got mopped every year by Michigan and Bo Schimbeckler. You know, but man, not like this. Th- this is this is different. This is some hate. So I just think Ohio State, based on what they're able to do. But I will say I will preface this. Whatever team wins the turnover battle is going to win this game. So if Ohio State has two turnovers, they, they, they're going to lose, y'all. They, they can't turn the ball over. They have to hold on to that ball preciously, which influences Ryan Day's play calling. Because in my mind, this is the game you let McCord loose. Let him rip it. Just throw it out there, man. You know, because you're going to get one-on-one. You're going to get those seams all day and night because they're going to send a cover two. They're going to take a book on this side, Marvel on that side, whoever's in the seam, go. Screens, Henderson, go. But I don't know. I don't know. But I like Ohio State to win the game. I like Ohio State to win the game 28-17. Ohio State. I think they're up 24-17 late. And I think the defense makes a huge play. Denzel Burke, David Ismanosa, JTT, Jack Sawyer. Somebody's going to make a play. Tommy Eichenberg's going to make a play. They're going to get it late and score. 
So, yeah, without a doubt. Tim Lyons, you said you got an honorary bias pin. No, no, he don't get no honorary bias. Andy's a realist, man. And this is why I love when they paired us up together for Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast. This is the reason why. Because Andy knows college football like no other person I've ever met in my whole life. He knows what he's talking about. So, Andy, honorary Buckeye, as of today, you're in. You're in for life, all right? All right, man, last part of the show. We got a couple minutes. We're going to talk about the Heisman rundown. We got about, like I said, I prefaced it earlier in the show. Man, we got, we realistically got about eight dudes that could win it. And if Jordan Travis was healthy, he'd be nine. We got a gang of guys that can win this Heisman Trophy. And I've never seen it this close this late. In all the years I've been watching college football, never. There's always been a clear-cut Heisman winner ahead of everybody else, and it was maybe his to lose. But I don't think Penix even got the the race clear, right? So, Andy, I want to get your top four. Top four, who you got? Yeah, I figure this is a good time for us. Like I'm looking at right now, I'm going to uh, betmgm.com. They've got the Heisman odds. For them, the favorite right now is Bo Nix. Second favorite is Jaden Daniels. Third favorite is Michael Penix. Fourth favorite is Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, mm. That's Those are some names. For me, it really stinks. I do think that Jane Daniels has been the best quarterback in terms of athletic ability this year. Like he has been the guy that, like, if you were telling me you need to pick one quarterback in college football who you're taking to the next level to replace Kenny Pickett on the Steelers, I'm picking. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Jane Daniels. But that shout out, to, shout Heisman out to Matt Canada. Shout out to Matt Canada. Fire today. Trash kill fired oh, out of here. I don't know what I'm. Gonna, I, don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself anymore. I don't know what to do. Like I, now that now that I can't chant fire Canada. What do I do? <laughs> but I I think if you were to if you were to ask me. I've been on the Penix train since day one. I think if Washington wins the Apple Cup and wins the Pac-12, I think Penix should win the Heisman. I think number two, Marvin Harrison Jr. If Ohio State does what I think that they're going to do, I think it's going to be because of Marvin Harrison Jr. It sucks mm. that there's a bias against non-quarterbacks for this job, but like mm. Marvin Harrison Jr., best non-quarterback in college football this year, he should be number one or two. Mm. Number three, I honestly think Carson Beck needs to be up there. Like he has Ooh. not been the best quarterback all season. I will preface this. He has not been the best all year, but once that SEC play started, once Georgia lost Brock Bowers, Carson Beck stepped up in a way that I didn't think that he could do it. Mm. Turns out that Carson Beck is worthy of that five-star recruiting rating. And I mm. think that Carson Beck, he's not the, he's not the guy that should win it this year. But he should be in New York, and he should be anointed as next year's Heisman heir apparent. Um, mm. And then the fourth guy, the fourth guy I would give it to is I'd, I'd, I'd put Jane Daniels up there. He's been absolutely phenomenal. It's just that that LSU team hasn't won enough games. They didn't win enough of the big games. He looked good in the big games that they played, but he didn't look great. He only looked great in the rough games. And when you look at Penix, when you look at Michael Port, uh, when you look at Marvin Harrison Jr., when you look at Carson Beck, they've all looked great in the toughest games that their respective teams have had to play so far this season. Yeah, listen, 
believe it or not, I got the same set of guys with the top three. But the fourth guy got a different SEC quarterback. I got oh. Milrow. Wow. I, got Milrow. I mean, Mil- yeah. Milrow, Milrow he, has right. showed me. You know, he showed me. He showed me, man. He has showed me yeah. that he's legit. You know, so I, let me just say this. The, the voting for the Heisman Trophy doesn't go in officially until December the 5th, which is after the championship games. The, the vote's got to be in. But I would bet that the votes are going to go in after this week. I, I would say probably 65% of the votes is going to go in after this week based on what happens. And I think that it's Penix to lose. But Marv can get it, man. If Marv has a bill 50 and two touchdowns, it's his. It's his. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. So because on the biggest stage, he had the biggest game. I I don't know how you, like, again, you and I are probably watching a lot more football than most people do. But, like, Mm -hmm. if you look at him, Marvin Harrison Jr., best player in college football this year. Like just pure talent, pure projection to the NFL. He is the mm. he might be one of the best college players that I have ever seen in my lifetime, with the exception of Lamar Jackson. Like he is just Including that much Megatron and Megatron too. He's better than Megatron. I I think he might be, dude. I, that might be my Ooh. hot take here. Is that I think Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the best wide receiver that I've seen in my lifetime, and that is like wow. I, he's. What he does again, like the way that you play coverage nowadays, like as a wide receiver, you got to be physical enough to beat a guy pressing you. You also got to be smart enough to find soft spots in the zone. You also have to have that breakaway speed so that you can run the streak routes, but that you can also accelerate so quickly that when they hit you Mm -hmm. in the spot, you can also move. Like he just checks every single box that we've seen and playing wide receiver at the, at in today's football, requires mm-hmm. so much more than it's ever required mm-hmm. before. And and he's yeah. doing it all at like what? He's 21 years old and he's doing yeah, all baby. the things that you want to see. Like mm-hmm. his ceiling is ridiculously high. Mm. Man, that's saying a lot, man. Andy, that's saying a lot. But, I know. But I'm also like, biased because like I, I loved his dad. <laughs> oh yeah. His, uh, his, listen, you talk about one, two punch, father and son combination. They, oh, they, yeah. That's got to be. It's got to be number one. I mean, it's. It's. I mean, as of today, and I, and look, anybody in the live chat, if you can name me another one better, I. I no. One, two punch, father, son, never. It's not close. These, these are the guys, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, to be honest, the son's better than the dad. Oh, I think. Man, I, think I mean, he's, he's got to do it. it. I agree. Yeah, he's, talent wise, he's got to prove it. He's got to prove it, but he's better than his dad. And his dad is a first ballot Hall of Famer. So that's that's saying a lot. That's saying a whole lot, you know. But Andy, something is just telling me, man, that Marv's gonna get it. I, I don't, you know, I, I felt the same way. I'm gonna be really honest. I felt the same way the last time when Troy got it. When Troy Smith had it. Because, see, people got to remember, 
Troy Smith statistically was actually better the year before he won the Heisman than the year he won the Heisman. His junior statistically, he was better. I mean, they had that loss to Texas that was huge. But he destroyed everybody else he played, including smashing Notre Dame. You know, he killed him. But the next year he came back, the big win was, hey, against Michigan. Troy Smith mm-hmm. lit Michigan up like a Christmas tree. He lit him up like a Christmas tree, man. You know, so this is Marv's time to shine, man. Eddie yeah. Copeland, yeah, I heard his little brother. I heard Jets better. But but we'll see. Jets 14. It's going to be hard to figure it out. You know, we'll see. But but guess what? He's coming to Ohio State. <laughs> Trust and believe he's a Buckeye. He's a Buckeye now. The scholarship's already been offered. Right. I know. There's I, I had the dark horse that the new Syracuse coach would be able to snag him, but that's that's just not gonna happen. <laughs> hey, guess what it is if you guys are able to pull Brian Hartline away from Ohio State. And that's my hot take for the show. My hot take for the show is that Hartline might leave and go to Syracuse. Because for those that don't know, we haven't had a chance to really talk about Syracuse all year. Syracuse is one of those programs that's in, embedded in tradition. And when they get a good team, everybody and their mom gets behind them, right? And Hardline to Syracuse makes all the sense in the world. It really does. Because he can recruit like nobody's business. And guys will go to the Carrier Dome to play in that environment. They will. I mean, yep. whether you like it or not, when Syracuse gets a good team, go back and look at what's going on with Donovan McMahon. Go back and look. Like, when they know that they're the one, oh, yeah. And so Hardline's the perfect fit. But that's another show. Oh, but yeah. as of we're going to be doing that soon. <laughs> yeah. As of the Heisman, I got to say Penix, but it's Mar- Marv can get it. That's what I'll say. This week's going to be huge. Man, oh, my God. Listen, y'all, I don't know. I promise you next week, I, I might come on next week and I got signs hanging off me everywhere. It looks like I had a heart attack, man, because of what happened over the weekend. I mean, because 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 realistically and 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 war week, anything can happen. We could have a brand new top four next week. I mean, I'm just telling you, we could. And it's really that serious. But. Man, it's going to be some great games. Andy. Final thoughts, man, before we get out of here, man. Nah, I just, I'm I'm really excited. This is going to be a great week of college football. And at the end of the day, this is the year that I wish we had a 12-team playoff because we got man. seven or eight teams that I would love to see in the playoff. We're not going to get it, but that's going to make the playoff all the more fun. <laughs> man, man, facts. Hey, man, thank you guys for rocking with us on Fans First Sports Network. Level Up Podcast, me and my boy Andy P. You can check us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Like, share, subscribe, share with your friends because we're growing, y'all. We're trying to get these subs up for facts. 